Welcome to the Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lead Podcast. I'm Ryan Becker. We're here at EC3 in College Hill, Tennessee with Richard Halverson and Richie Halverson. And I'm really excited to have both of them here, father and son duo. Um, and we're going to talk today about appeals and evangelism and evangelistic sermons. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, let's go ahead and just start with you, Richard. Why don't you tell us about yourself and, and where you are currently? Okay. I've uh, spent uh, probably 35 years in public evangelism and pastoral ministry. Uh, right now I'm, I'm retired from North Pacific Union, but I uh, contract out and hold evangelistic meetings. I live in Florida and uh, my, my passion is solely. Awesome. And Richie? So recently I uh, became the senior pastor of the Bowman Hills Seventh-day Adventist Church. I've been here for about a month and mm. uh, done church planting uh, evangelism, was the church planting director for a couple of years in Gulf States and and uh, God blessed uh, the planting of several churches and just done a lot of evangelism and been a pastor for the past 10 years. So God is good. I have a passion for souls. I've got been married for 20 years. I've got four, uh, four kiddos and they keep us pretty busy. Oh, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's let's kind of jump right in talking about evangelistic sermons and appeals. Uh, first, from from the outset, how do you how would you approach an evangelistic sermon? whether it's writing it or preparing to preach it. I bathe myself in prayer. I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me what exactly that I should say and uh, how I should give the appeal. So I think the key thing is uh, we have to bathe ourselves in prayer that God will touch hearts and lives as we give that appeal. Mm. Yeah, I think the prepare factor is, is so important. As my dad mentioned, to be praying to be preparing our heart to step out in faith and knowing that we're going to ask people for a decision. Um, evangelistic sermons are sermons that, I mean, really every sermon, I believe, should be an evangelistic sermon where we are asking people to make a decision. We are appealing to them, whatever that may be, um, to take a stand up for God, to, to rededicate their life, to uh, maybe you know, give a little bit more of worry to God and trust in Him, you know, we should always be bringing people to that point of giving more of their life over to God. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. So so let's let's now shift to the end of the sermon when we're doing an appeal. Uh, walk us through the mechanics, the the actual, what do I do with an appeal all the way from, from the sermon to the follow-up? Well, the most important thing to remember, too, is that... Uh, as you prepared for that call, you, you want to make sure that you have a song that's going to be able to play a strong appeal song or, or music that will, that will work on the heart. And then uh, what I do is uh, I give the invitation out there. Maybe it's specific. I try to clarify it, make it specific. It is for baptism or rebaptism or maybe professional faith. Those are the three main areas that I'll extend that call to. And we'll see how they respond. And I, we usually step down and I give the invitation. I have the those who come forward just to keep their eyes towards the altar. Mm. And, uh, and then I begin sharing maybe a couple of promises with them and how heaven rejoices over their decision. Uh, heaven's so excited they're throwing a party for them right now because of the decision of following Jesus all the way. And then uh, I open it later up maybe. It depends how many come forward to those maybe even want to rededicate their lives to Christ. But they're all important decisions for people to make. And uh, we got to do it passionately, mm. you know. 
as we learn the value of a soul for Jesus, it'll make us give those calls more often. Absolutely. And Richie, what do you, what about you? What what are the mechanics of uh, from appeal to follow up that that you kind of follow? So, one of the things that that I did at my previous church is, and a lot of churches do it, uh, but to really create the conditions for every Sabbath making an appeal and a decision, as my dad shared, was was music is so key. And I had a cue where my pianist or guitarist musician always knew when I was beginning to. Uh, wrap up the message, and they would start to play softly in the background. You know, music is a powerful communicator. And so they'll start to play music, and then I'll start to really bring people's attention to the cross. You know, I, you know, you begin with the cross, you, you, the middle should be the cross, and the end should be the cross. And you keep uplifting. Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw people uh, unto myself. And so I, I keep bringing their eyes back to Calvary, and then I invite them to make a decision to whether it's be to come forward, stand up, raise their hand, or whatever it may be, in the quietness of their own heart, make mm. a decision. And so, and then the follow up is after people have made a decision, uh, is to get with them right after the appeal. I'm going to have a special prayer for them, and I'm going to also seal that decision. Uh, I'm going to just confirm with them, you've made a decision for baptism, praise the Lord. And then we already start talking about when we can make that happen. Um, we want to follow up right away. We want to set a date, seal that decision with that date so that they can look forward to always moving towards the, the uh, yes, yes, this is the date we're setting up. And this is the date God wants you to be baptized. We would love to work it out with you. Wow. So I think it's important to, uh, when they see the passion in your in your voice, that you're concerned where they spend eternity which is the most important thing. And we really care about them. That's where the Holy Spirit is moving on their hearts. Hmm. So I I know this is, this is, I've heard this fear expressed by a lot of pastors. I've been in the room where this has happened. Uh, I've been the one that this has happened to before too. Um, how there, there are moments you give an appeal, you're, everything seems like you set it up right, or maybe everything just went wrong and no one came forward. No one responds. How do you deal with those those moments? It's easy to rag on yourself or to, to fall back in. So, so how do you bounce back from those? How do you respond to those moments? Well, one way to, to help that some come forward is that you may have some individuals who've made decisions already. You know, they're planning on baptism or they're planning on this later on. So I, I encourage them before I give that appeal. I says, you know, you want to strengthen your decision for Jesus and you may help someone else come forward. Why don't you come forward when I give the invitation? So it helps already to break the you know, the ice. Uh, and then, oh, of course, I have my wife and my children. I'll give them the invitation <laughs> to come forward and they'll help break the ice yeah. as they come forward. But it's true. The biggest part of giving calls is the waiting, the waiting, the waiting. But we can allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. And when the Holy Spirit does its work, it's going to touch lives. Yeah, I, I think the, the key, you know, I think it's to be honest with people. And in, in you're giving an appeal. It's not a reflection on you if no one came forward. It's not that's about right, me. Right. It's not about, mm. you know, and, and when we worry about those thoughts, then, and we're not getting honest mm. with people. I've had appeals where no one came forward, and I don't want to manipulate a decision. Absolutely. I Absolutely. want people to be real, and Absolutely. so I'm real with them. And I'll say, you know what? Hey, nobody made a decision to come forward, but I know some people have made a decision right there Praise where you God. are. Praise the Lord for that. And, and, and I've just used that as a way to segue into a prayer. And I'll say, you know, we're going to have more opportunities in the future 
where maybe I'll give you an invitation to come forward. Maybe you didn't want to come forward, but you made a decision. When you're leaving today, connect with me. Let me know what your decision is so that I can celebrate that decision with you. Wow, that's really good. So how do you actually, how do you, there, there, there are some pastors who've never put together an appeal, never written a specific evangelistic sermon. So when we talk about an appeal, uh, how do you construct it? What are the elements of that appeal? What are the questions you're asking? What are the prompts, the invitations, that kind of thing? Well, I think the po- most important thing is when you're putting together your sermon, that there are strong points throughout it where, where they make an appeal to the heart. You know, we need to appeal to emotions, and it's important. Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, they're emotions. But uh, Jesus worked on emotions. You know, there were decisions that, that he had come follow me. I'll make you uh, fishers of men. You know, come follow me. And uh, But again, I think the important thing is, is that uh, you you let them know that uh, Jesus Christ is, uh, wants to change their life and transform their life that day. But I think there are certain things that you need to apply in your sermons. Strong illustration at the end. Something personal in your life that can relate to the people. We always want to try to relate to the people, not place ourselves above the people, but on the same. We're all at the same uh, same level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. So I think it's so important that we let individuals uh, know that. And I've gone through some struggles, but I'm up front. I'm up here front today because I need those those. Uh, I need to make my decision for Jesus too. And so I think that helps a lot to to build in your sermon a strong appeal at the end that will work on the heart. Hmm. Yeah, I think that. You know, what I did was I listened to probably a thousand different preachers and them making appeals. Wow. I listened to them. I would watch them. And, you know, we need to learn from each other. And I would glean something from someone, a way that they would present it, a way that they would talk. I mean, even the inflection of their tone and their voice, I would study it and obviously make it my own, but learn from people who had done that, learn from people who had you know, seen fruit from their appeals. So I think that's an important thing. We can learn from each other. And you know what? There's, and also we learn by doing it. You know, I've, my best lessons have come from when I've tried to do something and I fell flat on my face and I decided, well, maybe I should do this next time. <laughs> um, and, and just really trusting in the Lord. When, when you leave the, the security of the pulpit or the stand or whatever you have there and you leave the notes or whatever you have, and you step down off of that stage yourself. You know, it's always this kind of point of vulnerability where, Lord, this is this is your time to shine. You got to step in. I'm stepping out of the way. You step in. And I'm telling you, God's never not answered that prayer when I've when I've stepped down to let him step in. Mm. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And that's why we always got to keep in mind uh, that the Holy Spirit's going to convict those you know, whom he wants to convict Absolutely. and at the time he wants to convict. So again, we're going to, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. And I think when we do that, God does work on their hearts and we'll see those people. So well, we've touched on this a bit with, with appealing, uh, uh, appeals to emotion. And I know there's a lot, even I've, I've wrestled with this personally right. too, right. Uh, where it, it, the criticism that comes from outside the church and sometimes inside the church is yeah. you're emotionally manipulating people yeah. with the music or this or yeah. that. Uh, so, Talk to me about mental versus emotional appeals. Talk to me about some of the misconceptions that, you, that you've experienced or seen and, and, and how we can kind of get past this idea. I, I, think, I think the reality is we cannot separate mental from the emotion. Every day of our lives, we make more of our decisions on emotions than we do on, 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 on mental decisions. I mean, you think, you know, from, from everything that we do, 
Uh, we are emotional creatures, so we can't disconnect that from the appeal. Um, you can connect with someone mentally, but if you don't connect with them emotionally, they'll never respond. So emotional connection is key. Uh, and so, yes, do, can, can, can have people been maybe manipulate, manipulative in the past? Absolutely. Uh, but I think we avoid that in, in, in just being honest, being real, uh, sharing a little bit of our own vulnerability, uh, but appealing to those emotions. If people would not come forward, if they did not want to come forward. There's just too many verses in the Bible that says, you know, Paul says, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things I, you know, sh I, I shouldn't do, I do. We naturally pull away from doing the right thing. So if we ever make a decision to, to come forward or anything like that, it's proof that God is already working dynamically in the person's life. Hmm. Emotion we used a lot when you're dating. Use a lot of emotion. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? You use emotion when you're dating and, and to, when you want things to get done, you use emotion. So I really believe, I think we see it throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that emotion, you know, uh, we're towards how long hold ye between two opinions? Be the Lord, follow him. If they follow him. Uh, so we find those both in New Old Testament that, uh, that emotion comes into play. And I and I think it's fair. I I agree with you. Just uh, just it is something that I've definitely struggled with. But I absolutely yeah, agree sure. with what you're saying. Um, sometimes from the outset, on the surface, things can seem one way, but That's really right. yeah. it's a completely different thing. So I, I mm -hmm. appreciate that response. Um, so what would you say to pastors who hate doing appeals, who don't like them at all, can't stand them, don't want to do them, don't want any any part of them? What would you say to them? I'd say pray and pray and pray some more that God will give you that passion to give invitations to read. Uh, books. There are books out there of the individuals on, on, on altar calls. Read on it. Uh, study more about But But I believe if you call to ministry, you call to give invitations. And so I think the biggest thing is this. And the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes and the more fun it is because you're seeing lives changed. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I would say, I mean, if I'm honest, a, a lot of the invitations I've given, I didn't really want to give, right. but mm. God says, right. give it. Yeah. You know, it's not about you, Richie. And so it, <laughs> I don't think anybody who gives a, an altar call or an invitation just says, yes, I get to make that today. Yeah. And I think <laughs> if they did, maybe, you know, that I'd be a little weary of that person. But there is this element where you are becoming vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there. But I, I will say this, the most fulfilling times I've ever experienced in ministry is when I did something maybe I didn't want to do, but I did it, and, and God stepped in in a, in a mighty way. And we so, learn, learn from those experiences. That's right. We learn, well, I know what I, I'm not going to do next time that I did this time Yeah. When I gave the invitation. So we learn. The more times we do it, the more comfortable we come with it. That's right. And so we learn from our experiences, but, uh, but, we're, but God has called us to do it. Hmm. So... Let, now let's let's go personal here. Uh, what has doing appeals, doing evangelistic sermons? What 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 do you think that has taught you about God? You know, I and of course I've I've shared my testimony. You know, I struggled with addiction for years, and um, uh, God never stopped appealing to me to to surrender my life to Him. Jesus never um, stopped. I've, you know, I've been. I've heard the Holy Spirit called the Hound of Heaven. 
Hmm. He's constantly pursuing us. He's constantly appealing to us. And throughout my life, when I was when I had completely just turned my back on God, um, and people who've experienced this, and and we all have to a certain level, um, God never stopped appealing for us, um, bringing us to that point of, hey, come back, you know, come home, come home, and 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 so that's why I do it because. God recaptured my heart through appeals and using earthly vessels to make appeals. And so I want to give that opportunity. I want to give the Holy Spirit every excuse possible to reach a person. Mm. I think to me, the greatest, the greatest news is being redeemed by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. So if I, can, if I can relate to people and let them know that I'm going through the same struggles they're going through, but, but there's victory here at the cross of Calvary. There's victory as we come forward, as we surrender to him. No, it's not the end. You know, it's like a beginning of a process. He has started a good work in your life, but he's not finished. He's going to continue to work on, the, on your heart until when he comes in the clouds of glory. So it's, it, to me, when we relate to people, and we're going through the same struggle, it, to me, it, 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 God's working with me, for he wants my salvation. And to me, it's a joy to be able to, to give the invitation. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing that. That was, that was great. And thank you for your authenticity, Richie, as well. Um, what are some, maybe, maybe you can share just one kind of a standout moment that you've had when preaching an evangelistic sermon, whether it was someone who responded, uh, whether it was during the appeal itself, something like that, something related to the evangelistic sermon, uh, a standout moment that you've had in your ministry. Well, it was when an older couple was the first people and the only people that came forward of a church that I had been pastoring. They had been coming to this church for many, many years, and they made a decision to be baptized. You know, when you make a baptismal appeal, you often expect some of the younger people to come forward and some different people to come forward. But this was a this was a uh, eighty year old couple that came forward that had never been baptized, and it just blew me away. And it really taught me that we should never. You know, you can't judge a book by its covers. You never know who's ready to make the decision, and you just got to ask. And so from that day forward, I said, I don't care who I'm preaching to, who I'm talking to. There's someone there that that is ready to make a decision for God. And so now I always make sure I I ask. It was an experience. I had a meeting in in, uh, Oregon, and uh, they were coming, an older couple coming out to my meetings, and and I had the privilege to baptize them. I came forward with an invitation I had given. And I began talking. I said, well, what happened? You know, so when these meetings started, we, had, we were waiting for our divorce papers to come in the mail. And we were waiting for those so we could sign them and get our divorce and just separate. And we, we said, well, let's, let's give it a chance. Let's go out to these meetings. And they came every single night. And then I had the privilege to bring them in watery grave of baptism and bring them up again. And they shared with me the, the, the reason what had happened, how they decided to come out. And it saved their marriage. And then they became leaders in the church. So I... You know, wow. I'll never forget that experience. What a transformation. Wow. Um, and I, you know, where I was recently pastoring, I was pastoring mostly, um, mostly retirees. And, and I had, as a, as a young guy, I'm 25 now, but when I entered, I was 23 yeah. and I had all these misconceptions uh, and they quickly, quickly disproved them. Uh-huh. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you mentioned Richard, some, some uh, reading books on altar calls and things. What are some, what are some resources or books uh, for pastors who are looking to, to do more appeals or learn more about them that you would recommend? Yeah. 
but I think there there are books that are out there. I, I don't remember the authors right now, but but that are, that give altar calls. I've have, I've read several of them, but also going to various uh, churches, Baptist churches, where they do a lot of these appeal songs and and different uh, other churches, and and listen to these uh some of these uh different congregations, some of these black congregations where they have powerful preachers. They give invitations and. Whatever you get, you can pick a little bit here and pick up a little bit there. But you go to many different churches, check around where they give altar calls and where mm-hmm. they give invitations, and you can uh, learn a lot. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot. Yeah, I think that's the key. You know, maybe we grew up in a culture where we didn't see a lot of those happen in our church, and I think that's so key is some other churches. You know, what we can learn from our other brothers and sisters uh, in, in, in the Christian church. We can learn from the Baptists. We can learn from the Methodists. We can learn from... Uh, we, we can even learn from the Pentecostals right. on on making appeals and reaching people. And so I think going to different churches, visiting to see how different people make those appeals, those are key. key. Um, I know that um, Timothy Keller has a has a book on preaching. I finished up not too long ago, and 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 he touches on making appeals and and it's just a that that's a great resource that I have found as far as on making a. De- making decisions and asking for decisions. Yeah. Wiggins is another, uh, uh, ad, is an Adventist individual. I mean, it was a, um, a minister, did evangelism. And uh, he, he had wrote a, wrote a book, and it was, it was powerful on, on uh, using psychology in giving appeals. And it was an excellent, excellent book for him to read. Awesome. Um, and so to our listeners, I'll do some research and uh, we'll get we'll get links to all those books Great. in the episode descriptions. All you need to do is look at that and you can tap them from your phone. Um, well, thank you, Richard and Richie, for being on, for being willing to do this. I know you've just been giving seminars for two hours, so one more is uh, is very much appreciated. But uh, any final thoughts, anything that you really wish pastors knew or want to leave them with uh, regarding appeals and evangelistic sermons? Keep giving them. Keep giving them and uh, bathe yourself, as I said before, in prayer. Ask God to help you to give those invitations. And lives will be changed. Lives will be changed. So keep giving them. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, I think as pastors, we're not in the information business. We're in the incarnation business. And the incarnation is when the word becomes flesh. And when, when someone steps forward, you know, the Bible says that, that, that without works, faith is dead. So when you make an appeal, you are giving an opportunity for that faith to come alive for the word to become flesh in that person's life. So ask, ask for decisions, ask for movement, ask for people to come forward and and give those appeals. Impression without expression will lead to depression. Mm. So I think it's important to give that opportunity for the individual. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. I've learned a a lot as well and and some new things to apply to my own ministry and, and preaching. So thank you guys so much for what you're doing. We'll be uh, praying for you as you uh, continue yeah. doing ministry where you are and, and Richie with your transition as well. And um, yeah, blessings to you and thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the lead podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast and we really appreciate your support. 
If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways and that really, uh, that's the way that we do it is we do it for those who have left a review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email us, leadsupodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Roger Hernandez, at leadsu, and myself, at Ryan180Becker. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. Without you, this is not possible. We'll see you next time.